0: and an indó askeige e
1: Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar end of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh ceart lena win
0: féin. Skilti fis turmi
1: Tá sé nach ara igornamion g gonamán an che sinna eá.
0: Bhí antám a ginn ná grh ááchttum fracht
1: This is an Irish independent podcast.
0: Johnny Sexton to bow out on top, King of the world alongside all his able generals and yeah God in and folklore as Ireland's greatest sporting team.
2: We're, we're leaving with Luke predicting Ireland to win a World Cup. God if it comes to pass in whatever eight weeks time, I don't know what kind of podcast that'll be
0: go like. <laughs> Oh, no, a... no. You could forget a podcast. We'll we'll do it. We'll do it from a pub somewhere, each in separate <laughs> locations. It, all you hear is the din of of Irish people singing. No work for for a few weeks after that. Surely national national holiday for a month.
2: The wait is nearly over and the countdown is almost finished. World Cup week is finally here and we are just days away from the opening game between France and the All Blacks in Paris on Friday night. That blockbuster kicks off a mouth-watering run of forty-eight games in fifty-one days. And we will be with you every step of the way on the Left Wing podcast. Will Slattery here with you, and I'm delighted to be joined for our bumper tournament preview by Luke Fitzgerald and Jonathan Bradley. And we want to hear from you throughout the tournament. So if you have any comments or questions you want us to discuss, feel free to drop us a message on Twitter or through Spotify. But now, lads, as I mentioned, the long wait is finally over. Four years is a very long time to wait for a World Cup, and when you know the, the kind of the fixtures three years in advance, it's given us plenty of time to talk permutations, team selections. What Ireland should do in various games, but now the kind of the talking is almost done, Jonathan. Like, what, what are your thoughts now as we're about on the tournament eve almost? How are you feeling just about the whole tournament as a whole? For me, like, and maybe it's because it's the nearest one to me, I think this could be the best World Cup I've watched in my lifetime, anyway. It seems the lopsided nature of the draw obviously isn't great for the teams involved in it, but it means we have blockbuster clashes right out the gate. And the other side of the draw could be rife with upsets and and kind of surprises there, too. So for me, it could be a the perfect tournament almost. Am I Am I kind of over-egging it? Do you know what?
1: I actually agree. And I think I agree for reasons that, you know, we're talking about the long buildup, but it's not so much the long buildup. It's probably what's happened over the last 12 months, I suppose, because there seems to be a real leveling out. And some of that is teams getting a lot worse. Some of it's teams getting better. But if you think about a Rugby World Cup, it's normally really just geared towards the first month of the tournament can sometimes just be paring down 10 decent teams in the eight They're pairing nine teams down in the eight. Whereas I don't think we've ever had a more intriguing set of pools because you're looking at it and yes, you know, you can say New Zealand and France are he- way ahead of Italy and whatever, but like, I don't think there's ever been more intrigue. You look at the other side of the draw about who the quarterfinalists are going to be. And I think that's what's going to set up this tournament and set it apart from the other tournaments, as well as the fact that we have, you know, a French team that have been building New Zealand, as much as uh, they had that sort of harrowing record defeat, are still New Zealand, still a great collection of players. Ireland going in as number one team in the world. And South Africa is the reigning champions with a recent show of strength. So I think we probably have four teams that really like their own chances of winning. And moreover, I think we have a plethora of teams that really like their chances of getting to a quarterfinal. And I think that set both those things set up to make a really, really fascinating tournament here.
2: Yeah, I agree completely, Jonathan. Like even this weekend, if you if you look at every pool as a kind of a blockbuster clash to kick things off, and because of the the kind of the scattered nature of pool C and D, with loads of teams jockeying for position, like some of the games that ordinarily you might overlook or not really think it have could have a huge bearing on qualification, you could see a massive surprise there. Luke, you know, what are your thoughts now as we're on the eve of the tournament? Like it's set up to be an absolutely unbelievable two months of rugby. You know, starting obviously with Friday night.
0: Yeah, Friday night's a, it's a real it's a, it's such a good one to start off the tournament, isn't it? I mean, I think both sides would probably like to have a game or two under their belts just to get a sense of, you know, the atmosphere, get you know a couple of weeks under your under your feet in the in the relative locations, and and I know they've all trained there for a week in France, as you just lived there, but um, I just think you'd like to have a little bit more time before you come into the big one, and um, but from a spectator point of view. I think the extra little bit of the unknown of this being the first match for these two big, massive nations um, does whet the appetite and leads us into what is uh, going to be a very, very exciting um, weekend of rugby. I mean, I think, um, I, mean, I mean, our side of the draw is a little bit quieter, but I think on the other side in C&D, um, you know, you got Australia, Georgia, England, Argentina, like they are seriously, seriously tricky fixtures. You know, I think, I think Australia, like that Georgian team is actually built to really disrupt an Australian team. You know, that strength, the set piece. I mean, they don't want to drop a ball for the whole match because that scrum is going to be (laughs) an absolute nightmare against that Georgian side. So, um, yeah, a few really interesting fixtures. Uh, From our own perspective, I think it's, you know, it should be a quiet enough one. We get to see maybe, probably, I think at this stage, Johnny Sexton coming into that match. Um, You know, probably starts it, I think. Um, I did wonder about whether you might stick him on the bench, just give him 30 minutes once the game is over and done with, and it's a bit more open at the end. He gets to kind of gently introduce himself in. Um, But uh, I don't think that's what will happen, just in case he has to, you know, someone goes down injured and they have to play him for 75 minutes or something like that. Will So I don't think they will do that. But uh, ideally, you would just introduce him a little bit more slowly. Um, So, yeah, look, I think it's a bit of a, you know, our one should be uh, a relatively straightforward one, but the, as I said, pool C and D have some absolute crackers to open up with. Um, the England Argentina one, particularly interesting to me. Um, you know, I have, I have Argentina actually getting to, to, to a semifinal. Um, I just think they look, they look good enough and that side of the draw is weak enough. Uh, I like the checkers there as well. Um, just a good coaching staff and a good team. um, and, you know, Argentina seem to always perform at the World Cup. I don't know what it is, Will. Um, they just... Uh, and look, they have good players, you know. I think that, that'll that probably be the, the dictator of it as well. I think they're playing better. They're more in form. This England team are really, really struggling. And, um, you know, I have them getting out of their group. But ugh, the more... I just I just felt like they'd get it together on time, Will. And I'm just less and less convinced that they have. I, I, I was a little bit reassured with... I saw a bit of footage of them behind the scenes. They were playing a joke on Owen Farrell. I don't know if you saw that. They look like a pretty happy camp. Notice there's something small. So maybe things aren't as bad behind the scenes as we think and maybe they will get it together. So I'm going to stick with my original that they do get to a semi-final. But um, that is a really testing one for them to open up the tournament with.
2: Yeah, save some predictions for the end. We want to be able to have a sorry, little, sorry, bit, sorry, sorry, a little yeah, bit of mystery yeah. and intrigue <laughs> as we as we go along. You know, you don't tell, you know, Kevin Spacey's Kaiser Soze, you know, in the opening, uh, few, you know, uh, a <laughs> few scenes. Jonathan, um, let's, just go to, let's go pool by pool. We've we'll got a pool A, the, the blockbuster on Friday night. Obviously, everyone's looking forward to it as a game of rugby. What a gladiatorial way to kick things off. But, you know, who is it more important? It must be more important to France to, w- to start off on home soil with a win. Considering the controversy surrounding the team, obviously, I mean, a lot of people have heard of this stage of the, the second row. Uh, Bastien Charroux called up amid kind of a bit of a racism storm. It's vital I think for them to start off with a win. New Zealand could probably build their way back in, but France, if the controversy takes hold, they lose their opening game. Like what what's your view on that?
1: Yeah, I think there's huge pressure to opening up as hosts. Before we get into anything else, just you know, you look even back to um back to last time around and like Japan against Russia, that was by far Japan's clunkiest performance of the tournament. We know what they went down to do, but you could see how much pressure there was just on that opening night, opening your own World Cup. And I think that's a huge thing before we even get to the week that France have had because they were building for this World Cup for so long and everything seemed to be going relatively seamlessly. You know, they they won the Grand Slam two years ago in a year that they would have really been targeting it given the way the fixtures fell for them. Last year, they weren't as good, but, you know, we still had La Rochelle's success in Europe. They were still looked a cut above, I suppose, the rest of the teams. And they just had this group that had been building really with this tournament in mind for not even a four-year cycle before it. If you look at the squad that France took to the last World Cup, it was with making an impact on this 2023 World Cup. You look at even the things that they brought in domestically to try and improve the national team. And everything seemed to be working. And then you have the last sort of, three, four weeks, you know, you've got um, the Entomac injury, uh, Jonathan Dante looking like a died for the first game, Cyril by looking like a died for the first game, and then the Paul Willemse injury, which has just turned into something completely different now with this, uh, I suppose, the type of controversy and the type of um, incident that could destabilise a camp. And it seems like every World Cup that we've had, we're really talking about, you know, the mood in the French camp, the stability of the French camp, that hasn't been the case for three or four years. And then all of a sudden, on the eve of their tournament that they have targeted for so long, they have this potential to be destabilized. And I know you can never um, put to one side sports people's ability to compartmentalize these things. And, you know, Antoine Dupont has addressed it. The player himself has now addressed it. But um, it just seems like such a potential distraction that if things then go wrong in that first game then all of a sudden it sort of changes the whole complexion of what's been a four-year build-up for this
2: yeah look for me it's one of those things that if kind of France go and win the opening game it, it probably gets pushed a little bit to one side and obviously you know we don't know the ins and outs of it. we're not even operating in the same country it came as a surprise to a lot of people most people probably hadn't even heard of the guy but now that it's become a big thing with you know macron being in camp and being kind of recorded talking it's like a kind of a scene from the thick of it almost you know it is kind of audio looking leaking out i feel like it puts a lot more pressure on this game because it, it could kind of maybe get blown up even bigger and bigger if they don't deliver on the opening night
0: yeah it's a big surprise sorry i actually didn't re- i just after uh, clicking on a headline here i didn't realize that that i, I hadn't seen that um that bit of controversy surrounding the team and the selection. Um, yeah, it very surprising, isn't it? Um, You know, it's from 2020 as well, I think, the incident. So they definitely would have known about it. Um So, yeah, it looks pretty disappointing that this kind of stuff is still maybe tolerated or whatever. France is so multicultural as well. It's surprising. Anyway, um, yeah, look, I think, uh, leaving that aside, I do think the rugby... Because uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm just not as up-to-date on that as I'd like to be. Sorry about that. My apologies. Um But I just think back to the rugby... Um, it probably does push it to one side if they are successful, you know, um, but, um, you know, I'm sure they're kicking themselves. It's the last thing they need now coming into a game where they just need to be focusing on it and focusing on the rugby to get the public behind them. And, um, you know, to have selected someone like this with, a, with that kind of background um, is, it seems like a surprising PR mistake. Maybe they're just purely focused on the rugby and weren't you know, hadn't thought of the wider implications of it. So, um, yeah, look, and I think uh, it it would have been a good time. I think New Zealand are a team that kind of usually, they generally play better once they've, they've, they're coming in off the back of, um, you know, kind of high on confidence. Their, their game plan is fast paced, you know, needs, you know, brilliant handling and, you know, uh, you know, Play, people playing heads up rugby and that's way easier to do when you're playing when you're kind of high on confidence and I think South Africa that South Africa match has kind of dented that a little bit. Um so I think it would have been a perfect opportunity for this French team to kind of impose themselves uh, and you know the likes of Dante, by and Willemsa uh, being out uh, makes that kind of physical game just a little bit more challenging for them to impose upon this New Zealand pack and and maybe um you know, makes that challenge. Uh, you know, because I would have had France winning this game just because of all, all of you know the, the, the wider, all the stuff that's going on around the game in terms of it being the opening match. French crowd will be vociferous. Uh, team will want to, to to do well. I think I just had them getting over the uh, the kind of nervousness um, in a tight match. It kind of with those extra injuries alongside Max, you kind of saying this is actually a bit more tricky for them now. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm watching this one a bit more closely in terms of the the, the result. I, I can't wait to watch it. I think either way, uh, while well, France, I think, should, be, should have taken lessons from that Ireland game and the Six Nations about how quick they want to play the game and what actually suits this team, particularly against the likes of a New Zealand, because um, they want to play quite similarly to Ireland, I think New Zealand do um you know they would have been trying to I, I think control the game a little bit more play territory and work from set piece to set piece and that becomes more challenging with these changes um so yeah it's a it's a very interesting one i think they might still snake it but in 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 a tight match um i just think maybe new zealand uh, maybe a little bit lower in conference than they would have been i had them probably you know continuing to win before that south africa game i think that might have shaken them up a little bit
2: Jonathan, like what? What do you make of these two teams? They're kind of rude after this game. Like whoever wins will park that for for a second. Just th- they'll have five weeks until the quarterfinal, which will almost certainly be a blockbuster game against one of the top the tournament heavyweights. But in the meantime, you kind know, of paying all due respect to Italy, but they're not at the top table, so they have five weeks where they well, they don't really get tested after Friday night. Like that's going to be a strange kind of building into the tournament. You're kind of having to reach fever pitch on night one, and then almost kind of go back, not to pre-season necessarily, but certainly dial it back a little bit. I, I'm, what do you make of just how that might unfold over the next five weeks?
1: Do you think it's probably a double-edged sword? And, you know, we can look back on previous Ireland campaigns and, you know, you remembered like 2015 and everybody thought that 2015 was building, building brilliantly for Ireland because it did just get progressively more difficult until you came to that France match. And then the idea was that you would be battle-hardened for that uh, quarter final, And, of course, what happens is, You play France and you lose a third of your team to injury because you've had this big match towards the end. And then you think about, you know, Ireland in 2019 where it was like they had Scotland first up and that was the big game and then you win that, but you lose to Japan and then you've got this sort of three-week sort of festering negativity before you even get to the quarterfinal. So I think whoever wins the World Cup can point to the fact that their build-up in the pool stages will have gone smoothly. But the fact of the matter is it's almost coming at it from the wrong way because whoever does well, people are going to think that it's because of the way that it's landed for them. But we've seen in the past that it doesn't really have that big an impact. And even this time with Ireland, you know, people are talking about whether the break week falls well for them and stuff. But at the end of the day, I think the coaches are going to find a way to get their players ready for a quarterfinal and as much as they maybe don't have that I suppose bigger test you know you can also look at it and be like well if somebody picks up a three week knock in the big game which for these two teams is the first game then they're back for that quarterfinal
2: yeah, it's a funny one. Like South Africa lost in the pool last time. The first time ever a winner has lost in the pool and gone on. It kind of got forgo- gets forgotten in the shuffle. New Zealand beat them quite well in that pool game. And South Africa ended up getting out of the pool, playing Japan and Wales. All of a sudden they were in a final and, and then winning the World Cup. Um, Luke, because I, I got a tweet about this from uh, at Elliot Irish. So what route would you prefer? Would you prefer if Ireland had a big game this weekend and then basically had, not cannon fodder, but kind of very straightforward fixers until the quarterfinal? Or do you, would you go with
0: the route Ireland currently have been given? Um I think I'd like well, I'd like I'd like my South Africa game uh week two if you ask me honestly I just feel like the the fallout from that last match um has me a bit concerned about that. I know there is that kind of we have that little break before Scotland um oh, that might be absolutely key for us I just think that with the amount of bodies that went down after the South Africa match and just how physical that game is I just if we want to go on and, and, and win the tournament, I, I just think I, pr- I prefer to have it a little bit earlier. If you ask me, I don't think it'll be a massive problem. I think you're going to have to beat all these teams anyway if you want to go ahead and win the tournament. That's just the reality of it. I just feel like that's such a physical match that I just love a little bit earlier in the, in, in the pool. That's that's my one one complaint. I think otherwise Ireland's route is is, is a good one. Uh, and for other teams, yeah, like I think you'd want to have one little game. As I said, I probably covered this really when I was talking about the France-New Zealand one. Probably like to have just a week just to get your your feet under you with a, with a World cup crowd, that kind of fever pitch excitement that'll be there for for the opening match and um, you, you know regardless pretty much of who you played if you were France anyway um I'd rather have just said, okay, we know what this is about now we're we're in the world cup we've had a chance to i don't know put 50 points or put 30 points or 40 points on on Italy or someone like that and then I've got New Zealand. I just feel like that would be a nicer introduction rather than coming in cold will. Um, because there's still an element of that for for the northern hemisphere teams that they haven't really played much really competitive rugby with with anything at stake um you know since uh, you know Feb March really. So um just one more match I think would would have been nice uh, with your front liners uh, personal preference. I think you could make a good argument as, as Jonathan alluded to, um, as to which one would be better. Some people might like like it later on in the group, and you say, okay, well, I'm kind of, I've, 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 worked my way in game plan has settled, I've kind of, you know, worked out the kinks, and now I'm pretty much into the big boy games. And if I want to go ahead and win this tournament. You know, I've got four or five big games in a row, which I think we can back up. I think that's more challenging to do than than people, you know, would, would care to admit. I think you're just going to lose one or two frontliners. At le- You know, at best, you're losing one or two frontliners for for quarters and semis and finals, I think. Just with the way the game has gone, well, it's so, so physical. So that's why I'd like to have the bigger game earlier. Personal yeah, graphics.
2: You know, it, it is an intriguing debate. And it's, it's, as I mentioned, it's one we've probably had a couple of times over the years, given these fixtures were announced in December 2020. But... uh yeah, as Jonathan said, uh, time will tell uh, as we tick towards the knockout stages. We'll move on to Pool Pool B then, Jonathan, the Ar- the Irish pool and South Africa, Scotland this weekend. Obviously, the South African show of strength against the All Blacks was so impressive that they were obviously really kind of shortened their odds of of winning the tournament. But before that, a lot of people were saying to me they really fancied Scotland to potentially spring an upset in the first game. Least of all, probably the Scots themselves, you know. Contrary to what they say, they have been talking themselves up a lot. Gregor Townsend in particular has been extremely bullish. So what are you expecting on Sunday? Like, Do you you give them a good chance of turning over South Africa? Or has that All Blacks game kind of made you really rethink that?
1: It probably made me rethink my thoughts on South Africa as a whole and how they were building. But I still, even before that, I felt like South South Africa were going to win this game. I mean... Scotland have a chance. They've been playing some good stuff. They do seem to have sort of leaned into becoming what I think we all thought a Gregor Townsend team would be. And I mean that in the sense of like Gregor Townsend, the player, you know, they now look like a team coached in the image of Gregor Townsend, the player, if you get get what I mean. And I think that's been bearing some fruit for them. But the fact of the matter is until you do something it's going to be natural for people to doubt your ability to do it. So like Scotland haven't had that signature when I understand that, you know, France in the summer, but it's, it's not the same thing. So until they go out and beat a South Africa, until they go out and beat an Ireland and they've got a terrible record against Ireland in in recent years, there's going to be a serious amount of doubt about whether they can do it. And maybe it is a, you know, a breakthrough thing. If you do it once and then it happens, number, numerous times in the next round of fixtures you know you look at Ireland New Zealand being the prime example but until they do do it I don't think any of us are really going to expect them to pull off that kind of scalp
2: Yeah Luke how are look? I think I know what you're going to say Luke but how are you looking at uh, this game on Sunday like I can't see Scotland winning but I just I was thinking how good it would be for the tournament it would really just blow the thing wide open it would Although I don't know if it would be good for Ireland to be honest, I actually think it would probably be a terrible thing for Ireland if it happened. But for the tournament as a whole, it'll be a cracker ball. What way are you looking at it?
0: Yeah, look, I just can't see it. Um, I know Scotland have, are like are coming in with a little bit of form from the kind of season games, um, but no, nah, I just the power. They'll just they'll get lost in the power. I think um, you know if you were if you think about what that Ireland pack kind of has generally done to that Scottish pack, I just think South Africa are, you know, a a way bigger proposition. Um, You know, I have my doubts about South Africa um, to a certain extent. I think lots of teams will struggle to cope with them um, You know, when they do unleash the power. Um, I think maybe only France can really compete with them on that, you know, just from a pack to pack, um, you know, at set piece, all that kind of stuff. I just... And South Africa as well. They, they're they're a clever rugby team. They're pretty creative at set pieces and stuff. They, they're they're a real challenge to come up against. Uh, I still wonder about you know not having Pollard and what kind of impact that'll have. I think that might be the one that that trips them up. I don't. I, I go. Uh, we're going to, I know we're going to go through you know who progresses and all that kind of stuff all the way through who we have winning the tournament and all that. But I just think that that'll be might be the thing that undoes them in the end. I think against Scotland, I just can't see it, you know, Scotland having enough firepower to deal with them. And I just don't think they get enough front football um against South Africa to to really upset them and to, to let the likes of Finn Russell play that game that we know when he has space he's great at. But I just think he won't be consistent enough over the 80 minutes and compact enough in terms of his game and his thinking over the course of it to, to steer this Scotland team. And I just don't think he'll get enough opportunity to show the flair that we love seeing from him but South Africa will just squeeze them out uh, and that's just my view on it I just think Scotland will always let you down and these ones just the, the pressure the power won't have enough just, just my opinion
1: I think South Africa are really really good as well It's stopping teams getting wide and you look at you know, what Scotland are sort of built to do now it's that wide wide game and you know you mentioned the South Africa New Zealand game Um, four years ago at the World Cup, and what New Zealand did really, really well that day was find the space out wide. They did it through their uh, kicking game, and then we were talking about, you know, oh, is this the blueprint to beat South Africa? Well, not a lot of teams have been able to do that since. Like, they are really, really good at denying you the space out wide, which is exactly where Scotland are trying to generate that space and to play into it. So, even aside from Scotland's record against the big teams, I don't think it's a particularly good matchup for them tactically either.
2: Yeah, no, I, I really agree with Luke on South Africa, read the out-half situation. That would be my only real question, Mark, because if you look at them in 2019 and now, I, I think they're a far better team now than they were when they won the World Cup. You know, you think back then, Erasmus had only been there for 18 months, less. So there was kind of in its infancy that kind of development of the game plan, the bomb squad. As I mentioned, they lost to New Zealand. They got a very handy draw. They played Japan in the quarters and Wales in the semifinal. They destroyed the English scrum in the final. Kyle sinker got injured, got a concussion after 30 seconds. So like, they were well worked their victory in the final. But it's not as if they had to overcome the path they have this time. But I think they're much better primed. I just think they look they look so formidable. And it just could come down to whether they get an injury and can sneak Pollard back into the squad, potentially in time for the knockout stages, which appears to be potentially a, a route they might go down. But- the age
1: profile as well, though, well, you know, just to use like Dwayne Vermeulen as the example, you know, is Dwayne Vermeulen 2023 compared to Dwayne Vermeulen 2019? Yeah. Well, I'm surprised, I'm surprised the sure
2: going to him to be honest. I actually am surprised that they're still going to him. Cause you would have seen him a lot up at Ulster, Jonathan. And while he had a pretty good impact at the start, by the end of his tenure, like he, he's an older player, he's 36 now, I think. And, uh, it's just I suppose Jasper Visa maybe hasn't really done it for them quite yet, so they're they're relying on them. But yeah, I take your point. Like someone, like some I'm just using that, it as an
1: example, just from yeah. having being player of the match in the final. But overall, mm-hmm. you know, they've got the oldest average age of any squad in the tournament, and a lot of those guys, I suppose, put a, a good number of miles on the legs since. But on the whole, like on the whole, I agree with absolutely everything that you're saying. I do think. Ten's going to be the issue and I think that's what's going to stop them winning it but I don't think it's going to stop them winning on uh, this weekend.
2: Yeah, I suppose when you actually look at their squad who, who's there that wasn't there last time? You know, currently Adrenza has been has been an addition Kane and Moody I suppose in the background they're two guys who to be fair are getting a lot of buzz but in terms of that grizzled pack that will be their cornerstone all the lads were there last time that's not to say they can't deliver it again but um, I suppose it was, it was a fair it's, point.
0: It's interesting I, I, I that gives me I don't take that as a negative. I get the yeah. point, um, you know, I do get the point around some of the players, but I just think I like to grizzle veterans at a World Cup. Like, And I don't think South Africa are going to play a game that, South Africa already played that game that I was talking about, France not playing. They all, They know what they're great at. They don't really try and move too far beyond that. The game moves at their pace. They're generally great at kicking the ball. Uh, you know, I think that the out half thing will, could be could be the undoing of them. But they will kick the ball a lot more from nine now. Um, they have they can they can quicken up the game when they need to with with some serious serious speedsters who can finish from miles out. And I just see them this veteran pack not really you know dealing with the pressure really really well, slowing the game then when they need to squeezing out the opposition. I just feel like South Africa's game plan is built for World Cups. Um, you know because it's always more difficult to execute the fancy attacking play in the big matches, and it's why they always say defense wins you. You know, whatever whatever sport you nearly play, defense generally wins the thing for you. Um, you know, it's just way harder to deliver some attacking flair under the, all the, all the pressure that a World Cup brings with it. So, yeah, I I think the out half thing we've mentioned it a lot now. That's the only thing that has me a little bit worried. I just think they generally have a better kicker than they have off the deck uh, or a more established one. Uh, And that might be their undoing.
2: Yeah, and just a point about experience and the, having the oldest age. Just look at the World Cup winner, winning teams. England in 03, the All Blacks teams under Henry and Hanson were very, very experienced and established. South African 07 under Jake White, Percy Montgomery, Brian, like these guys have been around the, been around for a long, long time. Like John Eels and Tim Horn in 99. That was another experienced crew, but the experience does seem to have a very strong track record. I mean, the more I'm talking, the less I want to talk about it because it feels like it's a, a slightly more inevitable from an Irish perspective. <laughs> but uh you know, sp- speaking of Ireland in that pool, Jonathan. Like, you know, we've talked a lot of big picture stuff around Ireland. Just in terms of this weekend, like anything in particular you want to see? Like, I thought fo- I know Romania probably the weakest team in the tournament. But that being said, I wouldn't. I'd still like to see Ireland cut loose a bit, and especially if they pick a squad that has some frontliners and some maybe fringe players to show that cohesion that has kind of been lacking when Ireland have gone away from their top tier kind of selection. That would be, I suppose, the most pleasing thing to me. Anything you'd like to see in particular? I think because we you know,
1: we talked about this last week where we were looking at the sort of selection that we were thinking we might see against Romania. And I had said then that I would expect to see a sort of weaker side against Romania than we would see against Tonga. And it doesn't look like that's gonna be the case. So if it is going to be that sort of mostly frontline side, which at this stage of the week the indications are that it's probably going to be, I think you just wanna see that bit of rhythm, you know, taking creating the opportunities first and foremost, but then taking them because it's is—it's like Luke said, you know, forget the warm-ups really. At this stage, it's been March since we saw this team in its entirety. So if they've taken the decision to sort of unleash that against Romania, and it seems like they have, then you want them to look like the best team in the world. You want them to look like they're ready to take this tournament by the scruff of the neck and that there isn't that rust from having, unlike the Southern Hemisphere sides, having not played together in a match that really mattered since the middle of March.
2: Yeah, Luke, because I sometimes find that Ireland, as opposed to like New Zealand or some other top teams, I feel like Like this Romanian team are so weak, Ireland should probably be putting 70 points on them if they pick a good team. I feel like Ireland don't often do that. I was even looking back at results from the 2015 World Cup. They started with Canada and Romania, and the results, they won well, but it was like, 45-7 45-7 and you know 39-3 and it's just I'd like to see Ireland as, as Jonathan said put out a statement of intent even though it's against a weaker team and just rack up a score and look you know like the confident team the well oiled machine that we know that they are
0: yeah and I think back maybe on some of those kind of New Zealand matches early in tournaments where they just put a team properly to the sword and you're just kind of going you, you just build that little bit of momentum behind you that little bit of fear going okay well these guys are are to be taken seriously they're not kind of there's no uh, kind of hangover they don't look like a team that's struggling from early preseason you know that kind of way to, to get that form that we saw last year and they have they've missed timed this run again so um, yeah look I, I just don't think they have enough time to kind of mess around with this um, I think they probably should and probably will pick a frontline team um you know I'm you know maybe I, I had some reservations last week about maybe who you pick you know, around kind of 10 and all those kind of things that I kind of mentioned earlier on the show. I mean, what to do with Johnny Sexton? You know, I think you've got to start him. I just think you have to try and get him into form pretty quickly. It's been a while, um, you know, since, um, you know, he, he's been on a, on a rugby pitch. Um, so, yeah, look, I think they have to go all out. You know, it's nice to put out a statement. I don't think anyone would really pay too much attention to maybe Romania. But if you're accurate, if you're ruthless uh, in a game like this, uh, even for your own group, um you know getting your timing off each other, even though it 'll be a little bit more difficult against teams that defend better, that are more off the line, that are more cohesive against you that are putting pressure on you that are challenging you over the course of a game than this Romanian team will it 's still good for you to run through it that 's in 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 a non simulated environment like a training session against the the you know the second team um so I think they 've got to take advantage of that um because the big worry for me with this tournament always with the timing is. Northern Hemisphere teams, you know, how quickly can you get yourself back into form and get you know, get gelling well amongst the the different combinations? Um, it's really important to do that quickly. And the more I think about it, the more I think you can't rest anyone throughout it. Hmm. Any other kind of
2: Ireland-related things, Jonathan, that you you think are worth mentioning now? As I said, we've kind of we've we've talked through so many talking points over the last while. But is there anything in particular, just as we tick towards the weekend, the opening game now to start a pistol about to be fired that you think is worth mentioning or worth bringing up?
1: I just think the more that we, uh, the more that we talk about it, and as you say, you know, we knew these fixtures three years in advance. But I know there's probably been like criticism of, I suppose, rugby media in general of being so focused in on the South Africa game from so far out. But the more that I think about it, I just think that's that game's the key to the tournament for me for Ireland, and to a lesser extent, one of the keys of the tournament because. Exactly what we're talking about of, you know, when is the right time to have that game? If Ireland lose that game and they then have oh a down week and then a week building into what's essentially a knockout fixture, I just think that's so much pressure on top of what would also then be pressure of essentially a knockout game before you get to the knockouts, followed by quarterfinal, semifinal, final, hopefully, you know, and Luke's already talked about the attrition of those games. So, I just think for me, even more so than we thought maybe whenever we saw these fixtures, like I just think everything comes down to that South Africa game.
2: Like, Am I over-egging it, Luke, to say that this is the... Like, for me, this is the biggest two months in the history of Irish rugby. <laughs> like, <laughs> Not in the sounds history, drastic, no, the, the team they're bringing, the success they've had over the last two years, the first time for me that they've ever had a, actually a live chance of winning the World Cup. By the end of the two-month period, we'll have either... Broken through this quarterfinal hoodoo and done something really great, or we'll be sitting here again, being like, "God, if we this is the team we brought, this is the success we had, and we still couldn't get over the line." Like it feels like it's kind of a it's reaching a crescendo. Now you could have said this probably feels like
0: we're set up to fail is what I'm hearing there. Um, Not at all. That's no, no. I I do think like am I overregging you to say that? I I don't remember us having a better team with more depth um, and in a better place. Um, I do think that that quarterfinal, like the pool A, pool B thing, like that hurts. Like, do you know what I mean? That really hurts that it's going to be that, that either, you know, one of, probably, if we think that, uh, you know, Ireland, South Africa and New Zealand, France get out of pool A, pool B, that either France or New Zealand, or or, like one of those, two of those teams are going home after the quarterfinals. Like that, that's wrong. When you think about probably how... The, the makeup of those quarterfinals and, uh, and and how all these teams are, you know, where they're in terms of where they're positioned uh, in the world rankings, you know, just before this tournament starts, all these teams are now like one, two of them are going to go home after the quarterfinals. It just doesn't seem right to me. The excitement levels around the semifinals might be as high as they should be. I think we get the final we deserve, but um, that's a disappointing thing. And, and The reason I mention that is because I I do think this Ireland team is in a brilliant place, but that quarterfinal is still a massive, massive ask. Like, who who you come up against there? Like, it's either France or New Zealand, both brilliant teams. Either the hosts who have played brilliant rugby over the four years or New Zealand, who are just, they're a challenge. Like, they've just got so much talent and depth. They've got a brilliant coaching staff. I think Joe Schmidt will have a big impact as well if we have to play against them. And it has me concerned. I, I think this Ireland team will make the step this time, but. I wouldn't want us to crucify them if they don't. I still think it's a massive ask. Will I, I, it seems like a loser mindset that you have this get out of jail card that we don't give them stick if they don't get over the quarterfinal? But like that's a really that's a close run thing. Regardless of who we play there, if you were working out the probabilities in terms of who should win that game, it's got to be close to like to fifty fifty. Has to be, doesn't it? Um, regardless of who we come up against. So, um, what I'd love to see a big result for me. I'd be really pleased is if we're top of the group. I think that's a big achievement uh, given the 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 you know the group are in. Um, and I won't crucify them if they if they perform to their pr- potential and they come up a point or two short in the quarterfinal. Um, I'm not going to crucify them. I think they should win it either way. I think they should win the group. I think they should win the quarterfinal. But I want to give them a little bit of slack here because it's a tough ask. Yeah, well, for me, if they play to their potential and hit their form, they
2: won't lose that quarterfinal. That's why I'm thinking like, If they, it's it's kind of like if they don't hit their potential, and we come away thinking again, well, why couldn't they deliver in a quarterfinal? But here we're getting way, way ahead of ourselves. I've opened Pandora's box here, so I'm trying to shut it as quickly as I can. But John, do you want to come in on that? Like, am I, am I kind of overdoing it by kind of building it up? I don't think I am. Like a World Cup is a World Cup. Like at the end of the day, they're big, no matter whether you're going in like England are going in or going in like Ireland are going in. But the fact that Ireland are going in in such great form that we've never gotten past a quarterfinal that they do have this... I agree with Luke, obviously it's going to be very difficult, but that almost adds to the to the mix of it being such a... Like, if Ireland had a very easy draw, it wouldn't feel quite as momentous to me, I don't think, going into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe, like, the biggest two months in the history of Irish rugby might be, might be a bit much, you know, if you think about it, like, I guess, the adoption of professionalism or even, like, what would be viewed as smaller things, like protests to uh, see if connaught or something probably have... bigger impact in a let me have my moment but I, I certainly agree with you about the idea of this being the biggest World Cup for Ireland because as much as people talked about you know 2007 and the golden generation and the draw that they had then and stuff like that wasn't a team that had won a six nations that was a team that had won triple crowns like this is a team that has won a Grand Slam in the last real match that we saw them play this is a team that 18 months ago, were beating New Zealand in New Zealand. So in terms of what this team has achieved, I don't think they've ever gone to the World Cup in a better place. In terms of the draw, obviously, yes, it is terrible, but they've shown that they can beat all of these teams. Like anybody that they need to beat to win a World Cup, they've already shown that they can beat. So I think it is a massive, massive opportunity for them. and. In that sense, I don't think that they've ever gone to a World Cup with a better opportunity of winning it.
2: Hmm. Okay, we'll save, our, we'll save our predictions for the end because I want to go through the, the other two pools uh, for, for, for a little bit. So pool C, Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia, Portugal. And look, that Wales-Fiji game on Sunday, I think, is just prime for an upset. I, I really fancy Fiji to turn over Wales in that one. Obviously, they beat England there two weeks ago. Probably one of their greatest ever results. If, I know they beat Wales in a World Cup of, in two thousand and seven and got through to the quarters, but to beat England and in Twickenham, you know, what's your view on that pool? Like, I, I, you could kind of talk me into a few different, you know, results being thrown my way, and I probably wouldn't argue too strongly, even though all the teams are kind of a, a good step below A and B. It's just also fascinating to see who could come out of that.
0: Yeah, look, I have Wales coming out of that, um, but like, it's. Uh, i I don't know, I'm less and less confident about my predictions about who comes out of that group. the more I think about it. Fiji coming in hot loads of great athletes as they always have um be a massive challenge for Wales who are at a seriously low ebb like it seems like there's retirements on mass, there's you know disruption around the the game over there and 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 how Warren Gatlin, I think has been operating behind the scenes and who he supported during the kind of player um you know, uh you know, you know kind of player. You know, there was obviously that England fixture where the players weren't going to take the field, and all sorts of shenanigans behind the the this Wales team coming in. I mean, I, I suppose I just back them just to get them all on the same page at at this stage. And you know, World Cup is still, even if you're not happy with the setup behind the scenes, it's just it's a, it can be a great way for to, to to bring people together. And I just think they produce enough to to win it. But I'm not I'm not confident on it. I think Georgia will pose a problem for 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 one of these teams as well. Um in Pool C so I, I have Australia and Wales coming out of this group but I'm really not confident about it and I think there could be a few upsets in that group but I still have these two maybe coming out just, just scraping through Um, because I can't see them getting beaten out the gate in any of those matches and I think they might just have enough Um to, to scrape through. But uh, the per- I haven't worked through the permutations of that in my mind, Will. I just have those two coming through just mm. because maybe they're established. And I think they pull it together just in times. And I do think, even though I don't rate Eddie Jones as highly as some people do, or Warren Gatland, I still think both of them have enough in the tank to get their teams through the pool stages. Um, uh, not progressing beyond that. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's a it's a tricky one, isn't it? That's a great group. It's going to be some. That's going to throw up some brilliant matches. I think there's a, there's maybe one or two upsets in there in tight matches.
2: Yeah, and like and I know Eddie Jones obviously hasn't had a win yet in his second coming, but I do think they're not quite as bad as those results. I watched some of those games, especially you know there was one against the All Blacks where they ended up losing quite heavily, but they were in that game for a long period of time. So I think they'll be a little bit better. And this is a far, this is like not a, a very difficult group. So I I could see them potentially coming out on top in that group. I'm just praying that we get the Australia England clash that we all deserve in that quarterfinal. It would just be that would be it, it would, <laughs> That's what I have. It would make the <laughs> lopsided draw completely worth it in my view if we got Eddie yeah. Jones going up against yeah. England. But Jonathan, what like what, 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 what way are you looking at that pool? Who who do you fancy to come out of it?
1: I think that Fiji are gonna come out
2: of it. Oh mm.
1: <laughs> and I have no no real confidence about this whatsoever, but I'm also thinking that Australia are gonna come out of it. My only sort of reason for pause there is I think that Australia should get better as it goes. Like, you look at obviously Eddie Jones coming in so recently, you look at the amount of young players really with a view to the Lions and with a view to their own World Cup two years after that, that they seem to be trying to build a team for those two sort of big uh, tentpole events that they have in their calendar coming up after this World Cup. But I do think they're probably the team with the most potential from game one to game four to improve. Now, the fixtures don't fall particularly well for them to do that because obviously they're finishing up with Portugal. But I think by the time that Wales fixture comes around on what I think is the third weekend, I think Australia will edge that and that'll be enough to get them through. But equally, I'm saying that like it wouldn't surprise me if they lost to Georgia at the weekend either. You know, that's how tight this pool is.
2: Yeah, but like to be fair, when you look at Australia, they have quality that no other team in the pool can possess. Like Will Skelton, who, to be fair, to him, has been on a twelve month season, like so the guy must be absolutely bait, I'd say, because he'd barely got a week off between La Rochelle's t- top top final coming back. But like he's obviously a key man you know, in the back line, Marky Mark, I won't try to pronounce his second name because it's quite difficult, but everyone probably has seen him play at this stage. Like he, He's a top talent, one of the kind of guys primed the light of the tournament. So I think they have a little bit extra quality that the other teams probably can't rely on. But so I agree with John, I'm going with Australia and Fiji there as well. So, And if that's the case, this opening weekend uh, will be a cracker, you know, nice game to finish off Sunday night between Wales and, and Fiji. Okay, so Pool D as well, similar to Pool C, like there's this we're starting off with England-Argentina on Saturday night, but with England-Argentina, Samoa, Japan and Chile, and obviously everyone would have seen Samoa play against Ireland. It was a very difficult outing for, for Ireland. And Samoa do have some quality players like Theo McFarlane, that Saracens guy in the second row, disruptive with the lineout. He missed all of the club season through injury, so he was a massive loss for Sarsen's, but he looks to be hitting the ground running. So Luke, it sounds like you're kind of a bit bullish towards Argentina, maybe being the class mm. of that side
0: of the draw. That's good. That's I, I like that. Will that was good. You fill fill in the blanks. Well, I have them winning the group. Yeah, I think I think England get out, and I think uh, Argentina do. But um, yeah, like I, I just don't know what to expect from Japan. Will that's a real unknown for me. I haven't just I haven't watched them. Which there's only so much rugby you can watch. I'm looking forward to seeing them. I think they were really exciting the last time around. Played a lovely brand of rugby at their own World Cup, but. Um, I don't know. I just feel like Argentina definitely go through. Um I as I said, you know, at the start, I think they're they're a team that have a good coaching staff, uh, good tight player group. I think they always perform well at a World Cup. Um the more time they, they seem to spend together, the better they get, I think, over time. And I think um they seem to enjoy themselves as well. I, I know just knowing the, the, some of the coaching staff, they'll have fun. They will have fun at this World Cup. They'll work really bloody hard, but they'll have fun. They'll enjoy each other's company, and I don't think it'll be a hardship for them to be in camp the whole way through. Um, so I have them performing well. I, I think England will, will will come a little better. I I, I think, yeah, I, I see England getting to a semi final. Actually, I, I think they'll they they'd beat Australia. Weirdly, I have that. That's that's my quarterfinal one. Um, to to start us off with England Australia, uh, and I think Borthwick gets one over Eddie Jones, who's been thrown, you know, throwing you know excrement uh, at them uh, from from a distance. Um, you know, having watched some of their fixtures and being asked to comment on them, which I can't believe he's doing because basically he's presided over this mess up until recently. It's oh, but to be fair, tr-
2: to be fair, Luke, like people are pointing the finger at Eddie Jones, but Borthwick has presided over far worse performances and form than even Eddie Jones. Pres- like it-
0: they were in an absolute mess. Will, before he got there, there was like couldn't keep a coaching staff together, a whole mesh of ideas over the whole period. Just look what Eddie Jones has done since then. So, like, I, I'd be careful yeah. on, on throwing all of this at, at at Borthwick's feet. He had a very small turnaround into Six Nations to try and get this together. He's had an unbelievable amount of turmoil behind the scenes. Clubs, like clubs folding up, um, you know, in, in terms of the premiership. Uh, he's had, uh, you know, all this kind of Controversy around his captain, all these other things that are unpleasant for them to deal with. I, I think England get out of this group. I think they get beaten by Argentina on the opening weekend because I just think it's too far for them to come back. But I think England actually have. We talk, you know, Jonathan talked about Australia having, you know, headroom in terms of improvement. I think England do as well and I think they'll get a little bit better through the tournament and I think they come out of this group alongside Australia. I I think Borthwick is not exciting to listen to and probably makes him a little bit unlikable amongst the media but I think he's a really hard worker. It's just whether they can get the enjoyment in camp. This is a weird one. I mentioned it earlier on but I just saw something behind the scenes. There's a good few senior players, good guys, your Danny Cares, your Fords, your Farrells. These are all good guys. Atoje, experienced guys. I think they come together at this World Cup. I think they get better through it. And I think the coaching staff get, you know, are able to get this team playing they want, the way they want them to play over the course of the pool stage. And I think I see them getting through. Um, Samoa will be tricky. So will Japan. But the England pack, I think, will have too much for them. They'll be too organized. Um, and I think their backline get it together a little bit over the course of of the tournament. And I think Farrell becomes a very important piece for this team. I think he comes back in and plays well. They get their discipline together because if they can't do that over the course of watching the last couple of games, straight away I think that's something this team can improve on. Um, And I think they'll they'll, they'll reap the rewards from keeping 15 on the pitch and reducing the amount of penalties. And I think they're a way better team off the back of it. and And they start playing some better rugby. That's my view on but, that one. I, I think Argentina w- w- will be hard to, for them to beat, though. Too soon for them to turn it around. They're they're coming from a low ebb. I would say England have the strongest squad
2: or the, squ- the, the strongest team sheet on paper on that side of the draw. It's just, that's why I'm that's why I'm kind of pointing the finger a bit at Borthwick because I think they've been so terrible since he took over. And I actually look at that team saying there's quality in that team, in my opinion. Like the performances they're producing, are in no way for me tally up with you know, the squad that they have. Jonathan, what's your view on, on how that pool will go? And obviously, yeah, Saturday night is so nicely poised.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to England, there's probably like, there's enough slices of the of the blame pie to go around for everyone, you know, like whenever um, Steve that's Borthwick a, took that's over. That's very well put. That was very <laughs> well. That's, that's a wordsmith. I, I like that, that one. Yeah, that's that a good. true wordsmith. Like whenever Steve <laughs> Borthwick took over, you know, and he said, this team isn't good at anything. And that's on Eddie Jones. But the fact that they're still not good on anything, that's on Steve Borthwick. Like
2: <laughs> I didn't like that either, Jonathan. Like as in he was already like uh, all he's done is point fingers. Like he and his was, own he players. Was, like he was criticizing his own players, essentially. It he didn't was make any sense to me. He was the coach against Fiji, their worst ever defeat, arguably. That wasn't Eddie Jones who coached that game. Like he's been gone for over a year. Like, you know, I just feel like Borthwick is is pointing finger too often. He's presided over the like an absolutely shocking run of form. With even worse than what was at the tail end of the Eddie Jones sorry I'm, I've just completely jumped in on you but, but I, like,
1: just... I do wonder how much of that is thinking that he's taking the right job at the wrong time you know so to me the best thing that Borthwick can do for his own career prospects is to distance himself as much from this World Cup cycle <laughs> as he can and I think he's <laughs> probably realised that because you know he's not uh, he, can, he can see what his team are putting out and we all thought he was gonna get this job post this World Cup. He's got it before it and all you know, it looks like it could be a disaster for them. I don't think that it will be. I think that they'll I think that they'll get out of the pool. I don't think they'll win the pool. And as like as much as I would as much as I would like to tip Samoa to to pull off a big upset, because I think that would be something that could really invigorate the tournament if Samoa were to come good and we're expecting Fiji to make an impact as well. I think that would be huge for not just the tournament, but not to over-egg it either. That would be huge for rugby as a whole if we could see that real variety in the, in the knockout stages. But I just think Argentina mm-hmm. will win the pool and I think England will uh, will sneak through in a And I think the fixtures fall pretty well for them.
2: Yeah, and one thing we actually haven't touched on is the kind of the influx into Samoa and Tonga of kind of tier one internationals. And and will that have an impact? Will that be a key turning point? Like we saw with Samoa, Lua Tua and Lima Sapawang wang are back. We have Charles Pieto uh, amongst a number of other players who are back with Tonga. And, you know, it might be a bridge too far for them to get out of the pool. But even if they could run a few teams uh, of the big teams really, really close, that would be that would liven up the pool stages. Jonathan, you, I think you mentioned at the very start, like you're kind of, other World Cups, you're just marking time during the pool stages. Like you know, you wouldn't even watch half the game. You know, Namibia, Uruguay, Samoa, v you know, Uruguay <laughs> something like that. With all due respect, to the Namibia World Cup, stalwart, like um, you know, they, they very seldom are involved in, uh, in in crackers. But that'll be maybe something to uh to look out for as well. I think we've, we've reached the time where we can finally give our predictions. I know, Luke, you jumped the gun at various stages, but we'll just pretend that you haven't and we're just going to go, we're going to go back to, to, to the start. So, we, Poulet, we, I'm going with France to win on Friday night. France first, New Zealand second. Jonathan, we'll go to you first. What, what do you think of Poulet?
1: Yeah, I think the same. I think France will just edge that game on Friday. Not as confident as I would have been maybe a month ago, but I think France win that game and therefore win the pool.
0: Luke? France, New Zealand. Yeah, in that order, sorry. Uh, I think France... Again, just edges. Okay, Pool B. This is the one that... oh, I'm, I'm tempted to kick this one. We'll
2: put that one at the last. We've got to P- Pool C first. I'm going uh, Australia first, Fiji second. Jonathan, I think you, you're in agreement there.
1: I'm going to flip that around. Actually, I'm going to go Fiji, Australia. Wow. So you whoa, think Fiji whoa, 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 beat Australia and Wales? Whoa, whoa.
2: Yeah, well, that
1: would be... <laughs> well, that would I be don't think good. there's any guarantee that any yeah. team shows anybody yeah. consist in that pool. You know, Georgia could topple somebody and that could have yeah. a huge impact on that pool too.
0: Yeah,
2: Luke, who do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree with John. I mean, like Georgia, Like it's not that long ago they, they took Wales. Uh, they, they beat Wales, you know. So um, with zero confidence in this, I'm going to go with Australia to win uh, the pool, Wales to come second. Okay. So pool D, I
2: actually think England win on Saturday night, even though I've been bagging them for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I've been burned by them. Every time I think they're going to turn a corner, they just produce another egg. But I do think they might have just enough. I think Argentina are getting a little too much potential push from people, but I again I it wouldn't shock me if England sunk to another new low and, and were beaten. But I think might, they might have just enough and, and squeeze past that one and top the pool. But without playing great rugby. So that's that's I'm going England one, Argentina
0: two there. Jonathan
1: I think Argentina won and I think England two.
0: Luke? Yeah, same here. Um you mentioned like Samoa will be tricky. Um I actually, I think you mentioned Lua too and these guys. I actually think the uh, Sapuanga is actually massive for them because he gives them a kicking game um, and gives that. I mean, you saw what he did against Ireland. Some lovely touch finders, put them in good positions. Like, um, weighty pack, they'll cause trouble. Um, but I just don't think they'll have enough to, to to get over England. And I think Argentina beat them all. Um, not comfortably. I think the weekend against England will be tricky, but I, I see them winning it. And I think Argentina, England, yeah so now, pill I'm going to go Ireland one South
2: Africa two but it's just so it's so tight to call I just I'm just t- fast forwarding to the 23rd of September the Stade de France I'm presuming it's going to be like 75% Irish fans obviously it's hard to, to quantify that at, you know without being there on the day but I just feel like the atmosphere will be like almost like a home away from home for the Irish players I just think they are very well primed for this World Cup but it feels like they're on the cusp of something potentially very special and I agree with Jonathan. For me, the tournament lives and dies for Ireland by this game. If they lose, I think their tournament will peter out relatively soon after. If they win, I think it really opens up the tournament for them. So I'm going Ireland 1, South Africa 2. But God, ask me again in three weeks' time on the eve of the game and I might, I might have a different answer. Jonathan, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I think exactly the same. And I, much like what you've said there, I might change my mind before the game comes. Obviously, like you know, players are going to get injured. That's a yeah, reality. Yeah, player availability, yeah. We're going to see... A little bit of the form, especially from uh, from South Africa, who was, who will see against Scotland in this first weekend. But right now, I think Ireland edged that game and therefore edged the pool. Then won South Africa too.
0: Luke? Um, I actually have Ireland won and South Africa too as well. I think Ireland will edge that one. Um, however, I will caveat that by saying I actually don't think they live and die by it. I think they live and die by the injuries that come out of that game. That's the key thing for them. I think... Like either way, like they end up on the other side of the draw, um, with a less favourable semi-final. I think if because I, I see Ireland beating, I, I think Ireland get over the quarter-final who do I think they'd beat either France or New Zealand in the quarter-final. France is the one I'd like less uh, than New Zealand, but I see Ireland going the whole way, and I think, um, I think we win the group as well. Yeah,
2: you think so? Wait, is, is that your? Do you say Ireland's World Cup prediction? Is Ireland going the whole way? Oh, sorry.
0: I, I've, yeah, I've jumped the gun again. But sorry, yeah, I yeah, think Ireland, so Ireland, Ireland, Ireland South Africa. Ireland won, South Africa two in, that, in Group B. Okay, so let's we'll get your final, your final pairing and who you're gonna who, who's
2: your winner. For me, I think I'm going France-Ireland. I think France and Ireland win their way through the, their groups and they meet in the final. I'm expecting both semifinals to be relatively one-sided given the quality disparity. Whoever comes through, even if it's not Ireland or France, I think whoever comes through uh, that, that side of the draw, I think we'll win will win somewhat comfortably. I just don't see France being beaten in a final at home. Like we haven't even mentioned Antoine Dupont. I don't know how he got through a full hour talking about the World Cup. But I don't think anyone's mentioned him. Like he, he's going to be absolutely unbelievable. I expect over the next two months. And I honestly think when it comes down to it, if France are the final if it's tied, we could see shades of twenty eleven. Craig Joubert, the whistle getting swallowed. Johnny Sexton maybe going berserk. <laughs> you know he he doesn't matter if he gets banned now. He can do he can like do a kung fu kick Eric Cantona style uh, if it comes to it. But no, I think France ultimately will come out on top. They've been building towards it for years. If the injuries clear up. Even if Ireland play really, really well, France at home gives them that little extra bit of spice that I think will carry the day. But in this scenario, Ireland have still had an unbelievable tournament, and if he offered me that now, I would take it. Jonathan, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to agree with you, basically on on block again. Yeah, I think I can't see France losing that game at home. To be honest, even if it was a like if it was a Six Nations game, and we've seen this the last two years. Who are you backing for the Grand Slam? If Ireland are playing France at home, you're back in Ireland. If France are playing Ireland in Paris, you're back in France. And that's essentially the situation that we have here. So, you know, we've picked them to get through and avoid each other in the quarterfinals. I think they probably are the two best teams. I think once they avoid each other in the quarterfinals, I think they play each other in the final. But I don't think I could come to convince myself that France wouldn't win on home soil. And as you say, Antoine Dupont, like we've got through the entire podcast without talking to him, but I think this comes to be remembered as the Antoine Dupont World Cup. I just think it'll go on to the next level and especially with, uh, you know, being the side's best player, being the side's captain and winning a World Cup on home soil, like I think that's how this tournament will be remembered.
2: Yeah, and look, before I get your prediction, like as much as I've said, Ireland are, have a live chance of winning and I do firmly believe that, I just don't in my head, I just can't see Ireland winning a World Cup. If you understand, my mind, I just don't see Ireland it, bringing
0: a World Cup back just, that's, a, that's okay you don't have to see it they have to see it <laughs> exactly because um, yeah. we're completely unimportant in this process uh, this is just this is just for fun Will uh, so I'm, I'm going to say I can see them doing it I think they've got the team to do it I think I'm more confident about uh, what's behind Johnny Sexton which is the real key thing behind Tyke Furlong as well um, even behind James Ryan who's another key in this team um I just think we have enough. We're playing well. We've got a great coaching staff. Um, I think us, um, you know, I just think we we'll have enough. I just think the confidence is high. Uh, what I see us playing England in the semi-final, um, beating them, which would be just so so sweet. I just, <laughs> I just really really want to see that. And then I see, I actually see South Africa. The reason I, I don't see France going is I think I think France win their group. South Africa coming second is actually pretty important. Um, and I think. South Africa play France quarterfinal knock them out they've got the perfect team to do it um, just if they can kick the points it's going to be the tricky thing for them that's that's where I see that happening and I see them bulldozing through Argentina as well to get to a final against us uh, Johnny, Sexton. John, Johnny Sexton yeah I think we have to play them twice in the tournament uh, oh. and I think Johnny Sexton to bow out on top king of the world alongside all his able generals and um yeah, in and folklore is Ireland's greatest sporting team. Yeah. Well, Did what do you, you think? We've just. Can you see that, Will? The, we've just Take ticked yours. past the arrow mark. It's
2: a perfect way we, we can put a bow <laughs> on our bumper preview. I think we put the B in bumper there. I feel like we've, we've tackled it from every conceivable angle. We're, we're leaving with Luke projecting Ireland to win a World Cup. God, if it comes to pass in whatever, eight weeks' time. I don't know what kind of podcast that'll be. Go like uh,
0: that. That'll no, no, you can forget a podcast. We'll we'll do it. We'll do it from a pub somewhere, each in <laughs> separate locations. It'll, all you'll hear is the din of of Irish Irish people singing. Um no work for, for a few weeks after that surely national national holiday for oh yeah month.
2: Michael D better get you know get the finger out and give us a bank holiday and hopefully Jonathan you guys up there I don't know if Michael D has that much sway but maybe there can be some <laughs> cross-border cooperation probably not <laughs> yeah probably not maybe some cross-border uh, cooperation can, can be uh, kind of an all island. certainly not
1: be a case of there being no work there'd be, be uh, more work than ever I think if that was to come to pass now, yeah. so one. Yeah, uh, so sure. flat out for the next six months probably
2: Yeah, but on that note, I hope everyone listening, their excitement is suitably peaked. I know ours is after talking through all that. That's it for the moment. I'd like to thank Luke and Jonathan for joining me for our World Cup preview. There'll be plenty of left wing podcasts throughout the week that you can get on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks so much for listening and goodbye. This is an
1: Irish independent podcast.